Hi, I'm Stacy. I love talking about how to know and live out God's callings in our lives, preferably cozied up with steaming beverages in comfy armchairs. You can head to my website, stacysummero.com, for more on discernment. That's S-T-A-C-E-Y-S-U-M-E-R-E-A-U.com. Guys, I had the worst hiccups and I was trying to record this. I have been waiting for so long for them to go away. So finally, here I am, hiccupless in your earbuds. I hope you're doing well. I just heard this really wonderful quote by a, an author named Stephen Pressfield, and he said, Stay stupid. Follow your unconventional crazy heart. And for some reason, that just brought me to tears when I heard it, because I have all these ideas. I'm definitely a dreamer. And sometimes the practicality of them does not seem like it could ever be realized. But I think that is where we have to really, really, really trust God, give Him time, and allow His Spirit to guide our discernment. So if you're struggling in any way, I just want you to know that you are so needed and loved and wanted and valued in this world. So on to today's episode. This lady basically doesn't need an introduction. If you haven't heard of Leah Darrow, I think you've been living under a rock. She was on America's Next Top Model. She and I were both on a reality TV show, which I think is pretty cool, but very different shows. Um, And she's an inspirational speaker and she's an author. She wrote The Other Side of Beauty, which I have my copy and I love that book. She's also the founder of Lux University. So she's going to talk about that. And in today's episode, she's talking about relationships. So this is a great episode for you if you want to be in a relationship, uh, if you are in a relationship and you are not sure if it is the one. But first, I want to throw a little recommendation your way. If you're a single young woman ages 18 through 40, or if you know any, I'm asking you to consider joining the Serving the Aged Lovingly Today mission program, which we abbreviate as SALT. It's hosted by the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm, and our missionaries spend a week working alongside the sisters, giving their time to the elderly in nursing homes. As you may know, I am the coordinator for SALT, and I have spent the last four years building the program from the ground up. I have seen lives changed and hearts moved, and I want every available young woman to experience the joy that comes from building relationships with the incredible people that we serve. You can find the SALT website in the show notes at my website, stacysummero.com. Also, stick around for a little sung reflection at the end. I've really been enjoying providing little sung reflections for you to a traditional chant. And without further ado, here is Leah Darrow. Leah, thank you so much for joining me on Called and Caffeinated. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. So we've already had our coffee for this morning. Um, So we're both caffeinated, ready to go, ready to tackle some questions about relationships. I'd love to hear first, what calls have you received from God in your life so far? And what have those calls looked and felt like? (laughs) Well, uh, that's like a loaded question. It is. Um, It's a big one. (laughs) You know, I, I, I think it's... It seems to be a popular question, and I think there's earnest. There's there, there there's there's something earnest about it, about just the question itself. So I want mm-hmm. to validate that, um, and and also, I guess dissect it if you don't mind. If you don't of mind course. that we actually do this, but like sometimes we phrase things in such a way of like, what are the calls that, what are some recent calls that God's put on in your life or in your heart? And it makes it sound like, 
or it could feel like, even if it's not intended, that our relationship with God is like a phone call. Mm-hmm. Our relationship with God is this, I'm going to go about my life, and if the phone rings, and if I've got time from God, I'll answer it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, or it could be that God's call interrupts your life and he's wanting to be like, Hey, by the way, I've got something to tell you. And so now I, I'm sure nobody would, would think that that's how a relationship with God would work. But I, th- but I find it, I find this question interesting. I get it often and I, I'm not, and I'm, I'm wondering if the question that we're asking isn't really the question we want to be answered. Maybe it's more of like, how does God speak to you? Like, Mm -hmm. and how does that look like? And and the, and the point is, I guess that I go through this little rant is that uh, we want to make sure that we are, how we even speak about this and other people's lives that we know that this is, it's, it's John Paul II said, each person is unique and unrepeatable. Mm -hmm. And so God speaks into our life his relationship with us, in other words, is unique and unrepeatable. So the calls that God puts on your life, the call, the call that God puts in your heart, where he's calling you, how he's talking to you. In other words, that's just another way that we can talk about relationship. Yes. So, you know, I think it's important to, because whenever we say a call versus relationship, that's two different things. Mm-hmm. And so one is ongoing and one seems to have a start and end to it. And so, uh, you know, Christ is definitely calling me into different seasons of my life. And there's like different, you know, tasks he wants me to accomplish. But the, the main piece, the part that I'm more concerned about outside of the calls God puts on my life or that he asked me to partake in with him is more of, and I'm sure that God would agree, is my relationship with God, right? It's, yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. What am I? What am I doing every day? How? How is? How am I allowing God to? How? How, how do I welcome Him into my life each day? And what does that look like? I mean, so obviously, I understand that there are like certain seasons and times when there are tasks to be done. But the idea, is, when we talk about God in our life, it should hopefully we can frame it more around relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and granted, there's moments where God's doing certain things at certain times and we can share that. But I guess <laughs> I just went on this massive rant for you, Stacey. I'm so sorry. but No, um, actually, I- you bring up fantastic, fantastic points because um, this question of how is God calling me is something that I think a lot of young people, they treat it like there's a giant answer sheet in the sky where I'm going to get the right answer or I'm not going to get the right answer. And then once I know what God wants me to do, I'm going to kind of go on my merry way. When in fact, it is this, like you said, this ongoing relationship. And um, you bring, oh gosh, you bring up so many good points. And I kind of use this as like a, a getting to know you question, you know, so people can take it and run with it and kind of introduce themselves. But you are completely right in everything that you said. I know like when I started discerning religious life, it was the first time I had really asked God, what do you want for my life? And I started to realize that I can't really ask that unless I have a relationship with him. And I started surrendering my life to him and I started handing it over every day. And it was so hard, but it it transformed my relationship with him and it really led me to trusting him. So that's kind of why I started this podcast actually, because I think we need to expand our understanding of what vocation is and what a call looks like. And so I love that you, that you went there with that. So thank you. Yeah. Well, and you know, when I was discerning um, in terms of 
uh, vocation, when I was discerning religious life versus married life, um, and I discerned religious life for three years and really, really was attracted to that vocation. Mm -hmm. And, and at one point did not want it at all, but, but decided to go and ask and, you know, actually discern it because I felt like I should cover all my bases. And the fact that I'd never considered it, um, Mm -hmm. bothered me. So I was like, you know, why am I not considering it? And it was, and it was, it truly was out of fear. Um, in the beginning, it was like, okay, fine, I'll do it if you want me, but I don't like it. And then my love began to grow, not necessarily for the religious life, although I did, I did end up seeing more beauty in it. Mm-hmm. But my love grew for God's will. And that's why I began to love the religious life. Because yes. I was like, you know, I just, wa- I just love you so much, God. And mm-hmm. I'm realizing now that you actually want me to be happy the way that you've created me to be. And so what I learned along that process of vocation was that I had made, as many of us do in that state of life, I had made my vocation my idol. And we make vocation the God versus allowing God to be God. Yes. And so that's hugely problematic in the spiritual life because that's when you end up not being able to be like, I have no idea what's going on and you're crying and everything's like tossy-turvy and you're like, I just don't know what's happening. Well, (laughs) more than likely, if that's you, you've made vocation your idol. Mm -hmm. And the fact is, is that if if we actually put the time, the time and prayer into loving God more than our vocation, you would either two things would happen and then both will happen at the end one you'll be at peace okay mm-hmm. and then the second one you'll figure out your vocation mm-hmm. and so the idea is that you know you want to have that and, and the, it, it comes down to this like do you want god's answer more or do you want god's love yeah. And we sometimes separate those out. And so we're mm-hmm. like, no, like, like you just mentioned, sometimes we think about God as like this an- an- answer sheet in heaven. And we're just trying to figure out what answer correlates to where we're at. And it's like a graph. You're like, okay, well, I'm here. And then if God's here, then you go across mm-hmm. and then you, you find your spot and you find your answer. And the idea is that really, um, if we're seeking God's love more than God's answers, we'll find them both in the same place. But we, we truly need to find and dive into that, that one word that I began with, relationship with God and yes. to understand his love for us. Totally. Yeah. I think a lot of times um, we can be really selfish in our relationship with God. And it's only when we realize that all these plans we have, at least this was true in my life, that all the plans that we have for our lives, maybe we get them, maybe we don't, but we just find that we're not fulfilled. And then we realize I haven't been doing this right. And I need to start asking the questions of, you know, what is really, what is my vocation? What am I meant to do with my life? Who am I supposed to marry? Am I supposed to discern religious life? And I think that's a really good point at which to start really building this relationship. That was all really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Amen. You're welcome. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a question that you can go on a rant about this one too, if you want. I don't care. (laughs) How did you know that you were called to marry Ricky? Oh, you know, um, that's, it's, it's a process. I mean, love is not, I truly believe, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a mother now, I'm a parent, I've got four kids, ages five to eight months. And so, uh, you know, in that experience, I can tell you that love at first sight exists. I mean, when I mm-hmm. first looked at the, 
at my baby, regardless if it was ultrasound or holding them in my arms, which definitely was more real um, or more tangible. There, it was love at first sight. I was in mm-hmm. love. Um, I, I, I think that I personally think that's the only w- place where love at first sight really exists. Um, because outside of Christ, I mean, because mm-hmm. that's just what you do. You give your life, you shed your blood for this, for this baby. Um, uh, and so you welcome them into your life. Now with a spouse, um, it's a little different. I mean, I grew to love Ricky. And mm-hmm. so when I knew that Ricky was the one that's based on all of these other small yeses along the way. It wasn't mm-hmm. one big yes out of nowhere. I'm like, oh, that's it. It just hit me. He's the one. And I have nothing to base that off of. Mm-hmm. I realized Ricky was, was the one I was called to marry because we had spent time dating uh, and really discussing, you know, hard topics and personal topics and being vulnerable and honest with one another in a, in a time and a space where there were these small little yeses. And if there were small like question marks too uh, of concern, those were dealt with, and I, we went deeper into those topics or points in our relationship. And then those, the end result was another small yes. Mm-hmm. So I think how I knew that Ricky was the one. I mean, I would love to tell you it's this a magical moment where the stars aligned and there were fireworks in the background, and it was that moment that I knew he was the one. Which I actually had to have this moment where I realized. Yes, I do believe this is like a calling of the Holy Spirit where he wants me to be right here, right now with this person. But that was only made available because there was all these small yeses along the way where I was going with Ricky and realizing his prayer life, how he treated strangers, um, his relationship with his family, his dreams, his hopes, his fears. Those were all discussed. How he treated me, how he treated me after a fight, how he treated me during a fight how he spoke to me, the words he said, how he, you know, how he prayed um, and how he spoke to God and how he allowed Christ to speak into his life during different difficult moments and trials. Those all were, you know, a thousand different moments that we got to spend together that Mm -hmm. I began to really become aware and be very, um, you know, discerning and watching Ricky and like seeing how he acted and, and, and also how he, you know, saw the world, how he, um, you know, was able to discern other people and their relationships in, in their own personal lives, what he thought about them or how he would speak to those who, you know, didn't believe in God. All of these small little things, Stacey, really got to me to the point where um, there was enough small yeses to realize. And of course, outside of basic you know, attraction to Ricky and his love for Jesus and his love for me and his devotion and loyalty. I just thought, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. actually this is it. This is it. And it was that, you know, combination of all of that together. Yes. Yeah. You know, you hear about St. Paul getting knocked off his horse and like this big dramatic moment. And sometimes we kind of, we hear all these stories in the Bible that are really dramatic and, or stories of saints that are really dramatic. And we think, well, that must be the only way God speaks to us, but it is so much broader than that. Um, So let's go into attraction because I love this quote from your book. The desire for beauty is not a bad thing. It is built into us by God to lead us toward love because love is beautiful. So I think we can agree love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. It is desiring what is best for the beloved. But 
physical attraction is also part of marriage. It's part of a relationship. So are we shallow if we kind of make that a criteria for the person we're going to marry? No. And, and keep in mind, it's not that love's not a feeling. It's love is not just a feeling. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so it's a part of it. But as your love grows and matures and elevates itself to heights where it belongs, mm-hmm. uh, you will notice that the feeling doesn't have to be there for the love to remain. And mm-hmm. that is a it's that is a key spiritual truth that we need to to study more um, because there's something there about that and beauty obviously wraps is wrapped up within it because these are attributes of God God is love God is mercy God is beauty and so mm-hmm. all of these attributes of there's many that we can attribute to God those are his and his own and he owns them and is them and lives in them and 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 is that in that part of that existence, but attraction is a good thing. And God has created us completely with all of our passions and our emotions and our intellect and reason and the soul so that they all can work in a balanced, you know, um, symphony. And so just like any symphony with all the different instruments, when they work together and in unison, it is beautiful. It is magical. It is this amazing you know, melody and harmony that works so well that you, you just want it to, you know, never end. Mm -hmm. And when you take one of that, one of those instruments out of its role and being in unison with the other, and you take the tuba out of the symphony and you let it just go on its own, you're just like, oh, okay. Uh, (laughs) That's it. That's a nice tuba, but uh, I don't know if you should be doing that right now all on your own over there. So that's the idea of love and attraction. And when you take mm-hmm. attraction out of the symphony of love and the human person and all the faculties that make up the human person that God created them to be, um, it, it, it becomes derailed and becomes disordered. And so mm-hmm. when everything's based just on attraction, then you become, then we have this where vanity and lust begin to kind of, that's the playground that they enjoy is when you yeah. separate those things out. So once again, it needs to be in unison of everything else. And then you'll also realize that attraction, it'll be the first thing that draws you to something, but it'll also mm-hmm. be the first thing that will um, end up being last on your list when you get to know that person at their core. Yes. Hit the nail on the head right there. I used to think at certain points in my life that our vocation must be a lot of like sacrifice and suffering and we must just, God must want us to just, you know, like crawl, kind of like army crawl through the day slowly and just like give him everything. And that's what really, you know, what it really looked like. But I have never been happier since I've been married to John. So I love your analogy of the symphony, how God really does want us to be happy. He does want our, not superficial happiness, but I mean, he does does want that too, but you know, the real deep peace. And I love that image of the symphony all playing together. Um, great. So you you write in your book, you're very vulnerable about your past mistakes. And, and I think a lot of people can probably resonate with that. So I, I remember you wrote, I believe that God would forgive everyone else but me. And I think that is that really hit me in the heart. And I think the areas of shame in our past can really help us, or sorry, they can really hurt our discernment of relationships sometimes. So what recommendations do you have for young people who have made mistakes, but they want something better and they're struggling to forgive themselves? Yeah, absolutely. Number one, 
um, go and receive the mercy of Jesus Christ. If you're Catholic, go to the sacrament of reconciliation. Do not stop until you get there. Don't let anything mm -hmm. else, you know, get in your way. Cancel your plans on Saturday night. Go to confession, whatever you need to do. Make an mm -hmm. appointment, call the priest. That's exactly what I did. Um, I went in without an appointment and I went and I found someone. I was like, I need to find, you know, in persona Christi, I need to find the priest. Yes. And I need this now. And I wasn't going to wait till Saturday. It was like, no, it needs to happen. And uh -huh. we, if, you know, if you live in America, um, more than likely you're living in a place with hopefully more than one Catholic church in your town. Um, we're actually where I live. There only is one, but guess what? I have a vehicle. I'm very blessed. I can drive to the next town and there's like five more churches. So the, the point yeah. is there's no excuse. If that's the case, if that's where you're at, I understand your pain. I understand the despair that's creeping into your heart. But let me tell you something, ladies, you've been made brave and you've been made strong and you've been made for a time like this to get up, put your big girl panties on and go take care of it. Go and place yourself at on the feet of mercy itself. Ask Christ to, to be with you, to love you, and he will do it. It's not a question of if God will forgive you. It's only a question of if we allow him the opportunity. And mm -hmm. Christ has good manners. So he wants you to have that. He, he wants you to come to him willingly and say, Lord, help me. And mm -hmm. he is so, with a smile, will look upon you with a loving and kind embrace and say, yes, my daughter, I am here for you. I am, I am absolutely here. And so, you know, that is what we need to do. So the first step is, I'm sorry, it's quite easy. The first step is go to Christ. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what your excuse is. It is not good enough. It is not good enough. Whatever excuse that has been floating in your little head um, from yourself or from the evil one of why you shouldn't be there, that is a lie. It is not true. You are absolutely worthy of the mercy of Christ because he said so. Mm -hmm. Because he said so. So one, go receive the mercy of Christ. And then the process of forgiving yourself is just that. It will be a process. It will take some time. For me, I personally, personally believe in the power of divine mercy and all that Jesus told St. Faustina and that private revelation and the diary of St. Faustina. You can get a small little um, miniature sized book of that. It is beautiful and amazing. And for me, that is what I did outside of counseling. I went and I dived deep into divine mercy. I began to see what Christ was speaking to, what he was talking about, about sinners and that he wants so badly to give them his mercy. And that that's why he is here. That's why he was on earth. That's why he, the, of the crucifixion, that's the why behind the resurrection was to give mm -hmm. poor sinners his mercy. So go to confession. I highly recommend the diary of St. Faustina to, to read about Christ's mercy. And those are the things along with time that helped me get to a place where I was like, no, I believe this. I believe that Jesus is true. I believe what he says to be true. I believe revelation 21, five, when Jesus himself says, behold, I make all things new. Mm -hmm. And if Jesus said it, and I say that he's true, that I am going to believe that. And I began to say that to myself every day, to read the scriptures every day and, and to make my progress. 
in that place of forgiving myself and moving on. Mm-hmm. Yes, Diary of St. Faustina is an incredible read. I highly recommend it. And I'm starting to notice a trend. You're saying the word time a lot. <laughs> Give it time. And uh, I know as a young person myself, I was extremely impatient. I wanted the answer yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I think that's something. Yeah, all of that was so great. So continuing the above situation for anyone who's made mistakes in the past, how do you navigate telling your your boyfriend or girlfriend or any future spouse? Like there's a lot of anxiety because, you know, we're Catholics and we're supposed to be living this, you know, this Catholic life. How do you sort of navigate that conversation about, well, I have these things in my past? Yeah, well, okay, number one, you're you're freaking human, okay? Like, yeah. you're, okay, let, let's just calm down. Yes, we're Catholics. Praise be to God. I love the truth of the faith. Um, but you're human, you're Catholic humans. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, don't forget that. Don't, and don't forget that whomever you're dating is human too. And trust me, um, even mother Teresa made mistakes. She went to confession every week. Now, I don't know what that woman wow. said, but, uh, she clearly <laughs> believed. And I don't think she had a false humility about herself. She believed that yes, she had made mistakes and she needs to go to receive the sacrament of, of reconciliation. She went every week. So, wow. so, so, you know, keep, keep that in mind that that, that shouldn't give you a, uh, a pass to screw up willingly. Like, ah, it's no big deal. I got confession. Cause that's, that, that's an abuse of the sacraments. It's an abuse of love. It's an abuse of the relationship with Christ. So obviously we don't want to do that, but the idea is that you're human, you make mistakes. And so is the person that you're dating. Now, when it comes to sharing your past with someone else, I, 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 I want to make sure that people really take this to task. Be prudent. Mm -hmm. This is not the time on your second, third, fifth, or even seventh date to be like, okay, I now, I I now need to unload my worst (laughs) sins upon you so that you know who you're dealing with. Because here's the thing. They're not dating your past. Mm. So there's no need to go into some gritty detail of something in your past that's unneeded. Mm-hmm. There could be, because of we want perspective, um, reasons why maybe uh, you are the way you are, reasons why maybe you struggle in a certain area, reasons why something is still in your life that you're dealing with and that involves your past. There needs You need to pray for prudence, pray for the gift from the Holy Spirit of prudence of, of when to reveal those things. And you don't want to reveal them unless you're in a place in your relationship where you can begin to trust and there's mutual sharing of life, mutual mm-hmm. sharing of the vulnerability of things that are close to you. Sometimes we get into relationships and they seem to go 90 to nothing in the first week. And you feel like, Oh my gosh, this is totally it. Like this person, this person is it. Like I just know, well, if you yeah. just know, well then give yourself again, I guess my favorite phrase is time. Give yourself yeah. time to make sure that that is the case. You you are worthy of their time. You And if you really think this person is, is somebody you're going to marry, then give it the time to develop and graduate and mature to the love that it's called to be because that's what love wants. Love wants, love does not want to stay in the base level of just attraction. Mm-hmm. Love desires to graduate. It desires to elevate itself to a height that is sometimes so difficult to even fathom when you're at that newly um, that new level of just meeting someone. And so when it comes to sharing something personal about your past, you want to make sure that the 
that 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 love is present and it's graduated to a degree that it could handle that piece of truth from your past and also when you do end up sharing something from your past of who you are or things that you struggle with the the gritty details do not need to be there mm-hmm. um yeah. you don't need to go like and then this happened and then that one th- it just you know we don't need to do that right. um if if it's something like look i lost my virginity when I was younger i have a past where you know um, I didn't embrace purity um, until a certain point. Just saying that gets the idea of like, okay, they've had either one or or multiple relationships where they were not chased. And mm-hmm. that could be a lot of things. It doesn't necessarily mean that you had sex with someone. It could just mean that you were in a relationship and you took it too far mm-hmm. um, within, you know, the element of purity that we're called to and you went beyond that. So I think that, you know, just like in confession, we don't need to like tell the priest like, well, I went to this party and then the first part was my top came off. And then the second part is my pants came off like that. You do not need to say those things. Like, <laughs> let me just make it very clear and practical. All right. Yes. Because mm-hmm. you don't need to say that. All right. If, if, if the end result was, you know, I had sex, well then that's what you say. And mm-hmm. then we move on to the next sin that we are confessing to Christ to the priest. So right. again, again, it, in a similar way, um, we can bundle without, with, with, and still being truthful to people about our past, like somebody who, who we love. So like my husband, so, you know, my husband knows my past. I, it's obviously hard to hide that I'm a public speaker. And so, uh, you know, if I didn't tell Ricky, he was going to watch it on YouTube sooner or later. So, um, he kind of knew what he was getting into in my particular case. That's probably not the case for most people. Praise mm-hmm. God that you're, that you're a whole life story. is not on YouTube. But um, the fact is, is that we do want to have that, those honest conversations at the right time. Mm-hmm. And, and we want to make sure that they are, and also keep in mind, like, this is not a time for you to do it like in a crowded room at a coffee shop or at a bar. Right. And it might feel like that's the time. Cause maybe if you're at a bar and you're drinking and you're drinking alcohol, that can definitely, as we know, science tells us influence our thinking it shuts mm-hmm. down our thinking, but, uh, and then it makes our vulnerability, you know, go crazy high. And we just end up sharing everything. Those are right. not appropriate times to share your past. I know it could feel easier because you stop thinking and you just start talking because that's what alcohol does. But mm-hmm. that's, that, that's going to be, you're going to be worse off because then you'll have to deal with the consequences of that the next day and realize and have the guilt and possible shame of like, wow, I shouldn't have said all of that. I shouldn't have said it at that time. And then how you, how you shared it. Like if these are things that are difficult in your life to share, which I'm assuming that they would be, uh, it deserves an atmosphere and environment that's attentive to your heart Mm -hmm. so that you can properly discern how the other person receives and responds to what you're sharing. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I think too, there's the question of charity. Like you don't want to torture your, partner's imagination by giving all the gritty details it's just not necessary and then they have to walk around thinking about this whole like playing this whole situation in their heads and they don't need to do that so um no it's not they this is not a police report you know you you don't don't have to go into that that type of like you know detail at all um 
yeah, exactly. For the sake of charity. Absolutely. So how should couples who are getting to know one another and getting deeper into their relationship, how should they talk about setting the boundaries to maintain chastity? And I'm going to throw another question in there too. How should they actually go about maintaining chastity? What are some good guidelines? Yeah. So it's kind of one of the same, actually. That's kind of how I see those things. Boundaries are needed in life. We have boundaries everywhere. There are boundaries uh, from the literal boundaries of like state lines to buildings with walls to separate another office building. Boundaries are good. Appropriate boundaries are good. So if you're not talking about boundaries, you are, it's, that's just crazy. That that's like running through, um, you know, a battlefield without any armor or protective, you know, stuff around you. Yeah. Yeah. And you're going to, you're going to get shot down, man. It's, you're going to get hurt because we're human and there's attraction and there's human weakness. And so, you know, you need boundaries. Every good relationship should be talking about those. And in marriage, you need boundaries, not just on mm-hmm. like, I mean, of course you need boundaries too in regarding the, you know, the intimate details of your married life. And so if you're, you know, if you want to have a babies or not or all that time, but you also need boundaries to protect your marriage. Like mm-hmm. what are we doing? What boundaries are we, are we, are, are we putting around our marriage to protect it from outside forces that want to tear it down? Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a lot to talk about there. We won't go into, but I say right now you need to be talking about boundaries in and of itself. Some obvious things that I guess are just not that obvious. Like, for me, um, boundaries, uh, you know, and I think first off, we always think we're stronger than we are. Number one. Yes. Oh yes. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's, that's the myth. The truth is you're weak. Okay. I'm weak. We're humans and, uh, we make mistakes. Okay. We are, we live in a broken world and we're broken people. So let's just stop pretending that you are made of steel and you have no you know, sexual feelings or urges at all towards the person you're with. Okay, let's just stop with that lie. All right. Yes, please. <laughs> um, and then, you know, some obvious things for me that I remember at one point telling Ricky, um, and of course I fell in this area too. We 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 both did and we realized, okay, what's going on? So Ricky and I love movies. We are just you know, movie aficionados. We just love them, love them, love them. We've got a couple of producers that we always go and see and directors. Mm-hmm. And so anyways, we kind of nerd out on a variety of different categories of movies. So one of our favorite pastimes when we do have free time is actually watch a movie. So when we were single and dating, um, one of the things we do, we watch a movie and we cuddle up on the couch and there's a blanket. And it was so fun. And we realized we were like struggling to maintain chastity at this point. We're like, what is happening? Mm. And then like, you know, it would like, we, we, we'd snap out of it really quick and be like, geez, Louise, like <laughs> we can't do this. This is not what we're called to do. And we would stop. But so then after a few times of it happening, I was like, Ricky, this is ridiculous. We are smart. We are, we are, you know, intelligent beings let's figure out what is going on and i know that sounds really nerdy but the fact is is that like we're like let's figure this out i i I don't want to be a victim in my life to my Mm. own passions and that's not where i want to live and that's not who i am and that's not who i'm called to be in christ jesus Mm -hmm. so let's figure this out he gave us a brain let's begin to use it and so we realized that one of the things that was getting us in trouble was actually being in the horizontal position Mm. just laying down. We were laying down together on the couch 
And we're like, okay, that seems obvious. Why did we not figure out that that should not be what we should be doing? Yeah, you just and, slip into it. Some, you know, it's like so, you're like you're not even thinking about it, and you have to be so intentional. Yeah, you do. And so uh, there's just you know, we decided like there's no more sharing of blankets. It just sounds silly, but we're like, no, we're not. We're not. We're not doing it. Like you got yours, I got mine. All right. Mm-hmm. I cover up with my blanket. You cover up with your blanket. And there's going to be nothing covering us where you can't see it and there's Mm -hmm. something really obviously metaphorical but real in that analogy that when you like what is covering your relationship that you're refusing to see because you just don't want to Mm -hmm. and like even with a blanket over both of you like two people and there could be things going on underneath that blanket you know you're you 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 know you're crossing the line you know you shouldn't go that far, but you can't see it. So you're willingly ignorant. Mm-hmm. You're willfully ignorant of like, no, I'm just going to ignore this because it feels good. I'm going to ignore this because I just don't want to deal with it. Um, versus like if the blanket, if, if the veil, if whatever it is, is kind of ripped off and you see it for what it is, you're like, that's wrong. And I need to respond because I've been made for truth. I've been made to live in truth. And I want to live that truth in this relationship. Hi there, I hope you are enjoying the episode so far. I wanted to interrupt you for just a minute to remind you that women ages 18 through 40 are invited to the SALT mission program, serving for a week alongside the Carmelite Sisters for the Aged and Infirm. SALT missionaries are truly the salt of the earth. We design fun activities like giving manicures or having a happy hour that are so meaningful for those whom our society so often forgets. Our missionaries also report that one of their favorite parts is just spending time one-on-one with the residents and hearing their incredible stories. It's really another way to live out our pro-life beliefs by serving with salt. My life has been changed and every one of our missionaries' lives have been changed. If cost is an issue, you're gonna be happy to know that salt is totally free of charge. That's right, zero dollars. You just have to pay your travel and the sisters take care of the rest. I've invested so many hours of my life and my passion into this program and I believe in its ability 100% to help you hear God's voice in your life and to grow in every relationship check out www.carmelitesisters.com slash salt dash program. Also, I just want to remind you that I am available to book as a speaker for your parish or your event. I love podcasting so much, but my background is in live theater, so I also absolutely love the live experience of interacting with you in person. I've been so blessed to speak at the National Catholic Youth Conference twice, as well as dioceses and parishes around the country. So if you're a regular listener, you know how surrendering my life to God and inviting Him into every decision has changed my life, and how passionately I believe that discernment is for everyone, not just young people discerning religious life, because we're all faced with decisions constantly. God is speaking to you, He wants you to know it, and I want to help you hear and understand how to hear if you aren't fortunate enough to receive like visions or like a burning bush or anything like that. So God has used my crazy journey of being on the Broadway national tours to discerning religious life on a reality TV show to being a wife and a mother and a speaker, and I would love to share my journey with you. I do understand that there are times where your group or your parish just simply can't afford what it takes to bring a professional speaker in person. So I get that and I do have Skype packages available where I give a talk and I do live Q&As over Skype and those are very reasonable and affordable. So please reach out to me through my website, stacysummerow.com and we will chat. Now back to my conversation with Leah. And so, uh, 
you know, going back to the practicals, one of the things that Ricky and I were like, okay, yeah, so let's like, number one, sit up and we can sit next to each other, but we need to sit up, have our own blankets and just watch a movie together and enjoy one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there are environments and situations that, that are more, that, 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 that lend themselves more to those temptations. So know your triggers know what environments would place you in a, in a, in a spot that would lend themselves to, to really putting the gloves on when it comes to chastity and truth and love. And so you want to try eliminate those situations as much as you're able to and have control because you're not meant to be in a relationship with somebody where you constantly have the boxing gloves on in a sense with like fighting the temptations over and over and over. There's going to be natural temptations that happen that will help you grow in virtue and those are good. But when you're placing yourself in the boxing ring, with, you know, knowingly, I mean, that's not where you're called to be, you know, Mm -hmm. you're not called to be constantly fighting and fighting and fighting the temptations with that person. You need to be fighting together to work through them, but um, through the natural temptations that exist because of sexual attraction, but the ones that we create ourselves are the ones that we need to be aware of, create boundaries again, know your triggers, and then make sure that you are smart about it, right? I mean, that's the idea. That's the whole idea of sin in and of itself is that know your triggers as best as you can, which goes back to what Augustine said, know thyself. Mm-hmm. And so have self-awareness of who you are, your own, your own personal temptations, then the relationship itself, know the triggers, and then avoid them. Yeah. And taking the long view of the relationship too, it's setting up for a potential marriage. And I know when I was dating my husband, um, I'd had lots of guys put pressure on me in the past and we would set boundaries and then they would just kind of forget about them sometimes. And that always left me with this feeling of like I had been betrayed. And I know when I was dating John, I think this is one of the small yeses that you were talking about. I saw him over and over really work with me to maintain chastity. And he didn't pressure me. And he really worked to not put ourselves in situations where we were going to fall into sin. And that built my trust for him because marriage is a lot of making sacrifices. It's hard. It, you know, when you both are sleep deprived and you have your little babies to take care of or you're un- you know you're uncomfortable and you have to work through situations together chastity is one of those ways before the relation or sorry before the marriage even starts that you can really start to learn to work together and and build trust and be on the same team yeah and that, i mean that that is exactly what virtue does mm-hmm. and so um unfortunately chastity seems to take like this prized position in mm-hmm. the virtues within single people and it, rightly so because we live in such an over-sexualized culture and and we've been lied to the past few generations and generations you know coming out now have been lied to about what love really is um the truth about love and our bodies and and the, and just our purpose on this planet mm-hmm. and so i understand the need absolute need for us to really pay attention to the virtue of chastity but keep in mind um there's a lot of other virtues right you know i mean if you look at you know what the church gives us of the four cardinal virtues the three theological virtues um we need to be growing in all of these virtues they all will help the all the other virtues um in and of itself so you know when you when you practice the virtue um of perseverance 
you are helping yourself also in the virtue of chastity too, you know, mm -hmm. to persevere, to keep going. Um, so, you know, all of those things make sense. And that's what vir virtue does. It perfects and it's like gold tested in fire. It's difficult, but at the very end of it, you're, 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 you're better off doing it. Yes. And I, I loved the part in the other side of beauty where you talk about living a beautiful life. And I think this can, I drew so much um, comfort from this. And I think anyone who is maybe single and wants to be married, but hasn't found the person yet and is struggling, you know, with just the singlehood aspect or, um, or people who are in relationships and maybe they just, they feel like it's not the right thing. You can live a beautiful life no matter where you are and no matter what you're doing and whether or not you have that, that Pinterest worthy life. Um, so I loved how you talked about um, beauty and gratitude and friendship and speech. And I believe grief or suffering was another one of them. And then I think there was a fifth as well, but do you want to just talk about those a little bit? Yeah. You know, we, the whole, the whole, premise of the book um, that I wrote, The Other Side of Beauty, was, was because there's, we've neglected beauty in our world for so long, and we're really suffering because of it. And I'm talking about the real authentic beauty that I talk about in the last half of the book. And in the chapter you're talking about how we can really lead beautiful lives. It's not going to be about your lip gloss and your great shoes and yeah. your fashion forward closet. Uh, that will not last. Uh, it won't matter. And no one cares. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the thing. Mm. What people, what people really care about is if you were generous, if you were kind if you were a good friend, um, if you persevered, if you, if, if you showed up when you said you were going to show up, if you kept your commitments, if you, um, if you were able to surrender and to allow Christ to love you in those moments of deep suffering, you know, those it's those moments where we cultivate beauty. Mm -hmm. It's those moments where the world needs our beauty, the beauty of humans knowing what it means to be human and then being that to themselves and one another. And that, you know, the other side of beauty is Christ himself loving us and letting him love us and then mm -hmm. allowing that to change and empower and affect the world. Yes, 100%. We live in a world where so much of what flashes in front of our eyes from social media looks really good. And so I think more than ever now, there's this temptation to try to live this Pinterest worthy life that looks really good on Instagram and everything's beautifully arranged. And I think that can even carry through to relationships. It's not just like how your closet looks, but also how your relationships look. And we kind of want this, um, I say we, you know, maybe I'm being too inclusive, maybe not all of us, but I know at one point I used to really compare myself every time somebody made an announcement on Facebook that they were engaged or having a baby. And I was like, where's my knight in shining armor? You know, where's my family? How come I'm not doing all of those things right? And what you just said, I think is so, so, so good for that. But how do you also deal with the 
comparison aspect of the world that we live in where things maybe aren't beautiful, but they really look beautiful. Yeah. Well, you know, get off social media. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, I'm, I'm sorry. I just think that we have uh, created this infant mentality, like, or a victim mentality where like, it's happening to us and I can't do anything about it. Like, get the phone out of your hand then. Yeah. Put it, put it down. And why don't you go serve? What, 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 why don't you go find somebody in your community, find somebody in your family that you can go do something for, take care of, be kind, run an errand with, enjoy, have the face-to-face -face interaction. Like, I just don't have time for these types of like complaints in my life. You know, and for, so for me, I mean, I'm more of your tough love gal. Clearly, I think if you haven't figured that out at this point, well, you know, I guess this answer would, you know, round it out for you. But, you know, I just don't have time for that. Like, and, and here's the thing. You shouldn't either. Whoever's listening here, you shouldn't either. Like, mm -hmm. put, put your phone down. If it's causing you so much crap, number one, unfollow them. Mm -hmm. Like, you have the power to put the voices in your life. To, or, or you, you have the power to give the voices in your life the place that they have. And if those voices are bringing you to a place of comparison and jealousy, and maybe, 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 maybe they're not, you know, people or groups that you should be following to begin with, or maybe that they're great people, but whatever's going on, it's just creating the space in you that's not healthy because it's bringing up jealousy or comparison. So unfollow them, mm -hmm. you know, unfollow them in your life. Like you have the power to do that. And so, one, unfollow everything that's not breathing life into your life. Maybe you're going through a difficult season. And I have friend, friends of mine who recently, one of my friends, she recently just lost a baby. All right. Mm. She needed to unfollow everybody on her feed for like a couple of years who are announcing baby announcements and posting pictures. That, you know, she just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, her options were just to kind of throw it away completely, like get off, like take the apps off of her phone. And she actually did that for a little bit. Then she came back on and then she began to unfollow a few accounts that she really liked and that they were good, holy people, but she just couldn't go there right then and there. She was being, you know, that's, that's, that, that's definitely protecting your heart and guarding your heart in a way that you need. And, you know, she was able to, after a couple of years or a little bit of time late, later, about a year and a half, um, come back and actually engage with some of these friends of hers that had, you know, where their families were growing and, and she was at a place where she could handle the online friendship again. Um, so, but the point is like, uh, unfollow things and people that are not breathing life into your life mm -hmm. to, um, get off social media, like limit your time. Um, take the apps off your phone, whatever you need to do. Like, come on, you're an adult. You got to act like it. Like, yeah. you got to, you got, you got to get to it. This is your life. You get one shot, you get one chance. What are you going to do? Make it count, make it happen. Mm -hmm. I've been told. I also think another good thing is to not look at it before bed, because if that's the last thing you see before you go to bed, it can really, really disturb your peace. Um, reading the or Bible the first, before bed. Yeah, or, yeah, or like the first thing when you wake up. Mm -hmm. If the first thing you do when you wake up is reach for your phone not to turn off an alarm because I know that that's like the thing now, right? For yeah. one, I think you should go old school and actually get an actual clock in your home, okay? And uh, you should get an alarm clock by your bed. 
go old school to make you feel retro and cool and <laughs> do that. And then put your phone in a place where you don't reach for it for the very first thing. Because if you're reaching for your phone and you're checking your email or you're getting on Insta, whatever it might be, you are giving the first gift of your life, the first gift of your day, which is your life. Life is a gift. You're giving that gift away to somebody who's trying to just tear you away from, from where you need to be. Mm-hmm. And that's just not where that's, I mean, the most productive people in life on all across all different formats and um, platforms, they do not do that. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things for highly motivated, highly successful people do not reach for their phone and check email or get on social for the very first thing that they do when they wake up. They have a routine, they've got meditation, they've got prayer, they've got contemplation, they've got exercise where they are pouring themselves into their creator, into their personal health and mental well-being before they go out into the world in a sense and check to see what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so easy to lose sight of that when it feels like everybody's always online and everybody's watching everybody else. And if I'm not on social media, I'm going to miss out on things. But you're just yeah, missing it, out on your own life if you do that. Yeah. And the reality is that no one cares if you're online or not. I mean, like, yeah. there are billions of people online right now while we're having this conversation and they don't care. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. like, I'm, you know, so this idea that like, I need to be there to feel connected. Well, what are you connecting to? I think mm-hmm. we get co- I think we get connected to the addiction of the feeling of being connected, but it's not real connection. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So, what are your thoughts on the traditional model of men pursuing women versus women asking men out? Yeah, I love it. I think it's great. I also think that women can take the first step too, given the right circumstances. I think there are things that we could do to allow the men to be men, like, you know, give them the obvious look, give them, give them the, you know, you can flirt and you can be, uh, you can be doing things in a way that you give them the uh, opportunity to welcome their approach to you. Um, And that's really needed. I think it's really great when that does happen because then there's no, there's no like trying to figure out, well, does he like me? Does he not like me? Does he really want to ask me out? If he does, he should do that. So there's a couple things that go into play. One, I love the traditional role of that. I also don't think there's anything wrong at the right time in space where a woman can, can show an appropriate level of interest to make it really obvious. And then Mm. if the guy does not respond, walk away ladies just let it be because listen if you've made it plainstakingly obvious that you are interested um and you even said like hey would you like to go out and they're like yeah maybe but then they never follow up mm-hmm. they're not interested he's not mm-hmm. that into you there's a whole movie about that I think. <laughs> yes i mean he's just not that into you so move on and uh good for you for putting that out there and taking initiative and saying something that you know you thought might work but it ended up not and listen mm-hmm. here's the other thing don't take offense people have their own you know uh opinions and feelings and thoughts and maybe it doesn't mean that you're ugly it doesn't mean that you're unloved it just means that for whatever reason for whatever reason and there's many 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 reasons it could be um, that person just said, no, thanks. And ladies, you have the right to say no, thanks. You don't have to always mm-hmm. say yes to the guy who's asking you out because you're afraid that no one else is ever going to ask you out again. Like you have that power too to take ownership over what you think would work for you or not work, work, work for you in that, you know, 
certain scenario. Mm-hmm. So I love, I, I definitely love the idea of the traditional roles. Um, I think that more than anything, people just need to be um, forthright, honest, and commit. Yes. And so you need to be forthright. You need to make your intentions clear. You need to be honest with yourself and with others, and then you need to commit. So if you say that you're going to go on the date, go on the date, right? And now, now granted, all this is barring like any type of weird scenario that you're like, well, I noticed on his profile that he likes killing cats. Okay, then yeah, yeah, I would, I would definitely, you know. Nah, not so much. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, really <laughs> obviously it's an extreme, but like, then yeah, don't stick with the commitment after that one. Yeah. But I think we commitment seems to be something that millennials especially deal with and they have, they 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 struggle with that because they mm-hmm. are so connected and they feel like that hey listen if this, if this doesn't work I want to I want to pad um my account here and make sure that I can do something after this doesn't work out. Mm-hmm. So just be be commit and be present in the moment and see what the Lord has in store for that scenario. Yeah, because that's the only way you're ever going to be able to observe the person to the extent that you will be able to understand if this is the relationship you're called to. Like you said, you watched Ricky a lot. And you you were with him over time and you started to understand how he interacts. And that really can only happen if you're really in the moment with someone and really present with them. Amen. Mm-hmm. So give me some do's and don'ts. This was a question from a listener. For guys about approaching friends of the opposite sex. Okay, well, do do it. Like, yeah, do it. Like, stop talking about it and just do it. You know, I mean, like, I think that's that 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 is the biggest qualm that pe- that that women have is they just don't approach us. They they don't they don't mm-hmm. they don't talk to us. They don't make it clear what they're really wanting to do. So, number one, figure out for yourself, guys, exactly what is your goal, what is your purpose within this whole thing. It's absolutely fine to be able to ask someone out, not for like a major relationship, but because you're interested and you want to see where that's going. That's an appropriate beginning level spot. You don't have to be like, well, I better have a ring first before I ask her out. Like, let's, let's just calm down a little bit there, you know, (laughs) and ladies, we need to calm down too. Okay. (laughs) Don't start talking about names of kids um, on, (laughs) in the first, you know, couple months of dating. Like, just don't, go there. You're just not ready for that yet. And it makes it super awkward. So one, you know, do's and don'ts for guys. Um, again, be forthright, be honest, make your intentions clear and then commit, right? Mm -hmm. Show up when you say you're going to show up, call when you say you're going to call, follow up when you say you're going to follow up. Don't make them waiting and wondering be forthright and honest, be prudent in how you, and how you go about, about that. Um, mm-hmm. about what you say. Um, and, you know, because women respond to that. We enjoy honesty, even if it might be hard to hear. And so if you're like, hey, uh, look, I have really enjoyed, um, you know, hanging out with you the past few times. I'd like to take you out one-on-one on a date. And make sure you say things like, on a date. Yes, rather than, be let's clear. Just ha- let's just hang out. I hang out with my grandma. I hang out with lots of people. <laughs> yes. All right. I hang out with my friends. I don't, I, I did not hang out with Ricky. Mm-hmm. I went on dates with Ricky. Okay. Hanging out is not a romantic engagement. Hanging out is when I can wear sweats with my girlfriends and get some wine. And that's how we hang out. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. Yes. You know, 
So a date is a date and a date means that there is interest um, or a curiosity from either from from both parties about the potential of what this could be. So it's curiosity and potential that you're going after on a date. And that needs to be stated. Uh, and if that's and so when when you come up with somebody who is able to make that statement clear, the other party knows exactly what's expected um, of that request. Mm-hmm. And so, again, that also requires that women, if we're talking about a guy approaching a girl here, that 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 the women need to be, uh, you know, forthright, honest, and commit to that request. Um, if you have no intention whatsoever, like, nope, I know for certain that is not somebody I want to go on a date with, then you just say that. Thank you so much, but no thank you. It's mm-hmm. that It's that easy. I don't know why that's that hard to say no thank you, but I guess. Yeah, there's just a lot of not great communication out there when it comes to, to these types of things. And I, I totally know what you mean. Um, I have a single younger sister and she's just gets really frustrated when guys kind of insinuate things like, Hey, let's hang out. But I think they're just scared to put themselves out there and be rejected. And so they're like, I, I'll just make it so that if you say no, it's like you're saying no to, you know, just something really, really casual. And it doesn't matter to me that much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of fear, um, I can't speak for men, although I do think there's a lot of fear there surrounding dating and relationships. But I think for women, because I talk to my girlfriends, there is a lot of fear. And it's something that we really struggle with. And it can lead us to lower our standards or kind of le- just lead to a lot of crosses in, in our singlehood. Um, so what would you say to women who struggle with that fear and in particular about your new initiative of Lux U? Well, fear there's a lot of reasons for fear in my book, the other side of beauty. I actually have a whole section about fear of how fear it paralyzes us to live the life we've been called to live. So we might have fear over just not knowing our faith and not how, not knowing how to embrace who we've been called to be as a woman in Christ Jesus. There's obviously fear about our past fear about our future fear. You know, that can fear can creep into every aspect of our life. And so there are many ways to fight it. And one of the ways to fight it is to one, be informed, be informed. And, you know, that's one of the, the, the main tenet of um, this new initiative that I'm beginning, which is called Lux University. You can find it on my website, leadero.com. But this is the first only online Catholic membership site um, for Catholic women to be informed, inspired, and empowered in the faith. And so it is a membership site for us where we will be going over topics of the faith um, and a new topic will kind of roll out every month and a half or so. And it's taught by myself and other Catholic female leaders in the industry on topics of the faith that we need to get answers about and learn how to one, you know, obviously be informed, but be inspired to be able to take those beautiful truths of the faith and then apply them in our practical everyday life. And on top of that, it's just like the most phenomenal community of women all over the world of, of English speaking Catholics who are part of the Lux U community awesome. platform. It's just phenomenal. The amount of women that are there and to be a part of it together is just fantastic. So it's a brand new initiative. It's called Lux U. It's for um, Catholic women to, to just know their faith, 
and to be able to share their faith. And so I think Mm -hmm. being able to be informed, when you are informed, you have less fear about a variety of things, Mm -hmm. right? Because, Because you know the truth, you know who you are, and you know what you've been called to be. And so you know, what I've found over the past 11 years of kind of doing this work as, uh, you know, an author and a public speaker is that I have so many women who come to me with a variety of faith questions. And they come out of a place sometimes of either curiosity or fear or, or a wound or just, you know, just they just they've had misinformation and they need some clarity on that. And, you know, after listening to these questions, Stacey, like year after year, month after month for over a decade, I just got to a place where like, I realized that most of these women aren't going to be able to watch thousands of YouTube videos from all the different amazing Catholic speakers out there or Catholic professors out there. And most of them are not going to go to graduate school to get their master's in theology. Mm -hmm. And I just truly felt, you know, God on my heart speak to me and be like, Leah, I've sent you to go get your master's. I, I, I have connected you with all of these amazing, you know, women in the faith and the world. What are you doing with it? Hmm. Like I, I, I gave you this to give to my daughters. And it was during prayer through a, through a period of time where that message from Christ began to resonate so deep in my heart. And I feel like God saying, Leah, what are you going to do about it? Mm. What are you going to do about this? What are you going to do about my daughters who have questions, who, who, who need some guidance, who need a guided, you know, in a sense, um, tour through the faith and through, mm. and through truth. And it got to the place where like, I needed to, to create a space where that would happen. And that's why and how Luxu was born. It was, wow. it was born in this place where I feel like God calling on me and tugging my heart to be like, Leah, <laughs> I've given you so much. Now do something with it. And this is what I'm providing. And I hope to be a platform for, you know, um, countless Catholic women to come together for community and for faith and for, uh, and also just a little bit of fun. Like it's not going to be so intense to where we can't get practical and talk about, you know, real life and real life questions. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you can get all the information um, to become a luxury member. Registration only opens for one week and a registration is only twice a year I open it only up for one week because I want to intentionally disciple and be a part of of everyone's life and so um, these different topics on the faith um, in these small little video bite-sized pieces are taught by myself and other Catholic women leaders and speakers and authors and theologians and so uh, it's really great we, we have a lot of wonderful perks of, of how you can engage into this luxury community and I truly believe it's something that that um, can really really change the face yeah. of Catholic female solidarity Amazing. I love the community aspect of it too, because I think a lot of the fear disappears when you are able to hear somebody else saying, yeah, I'm struggling with this too. Let's support each other and let's get this figured out. And then it's like, you don't have to face this alone, which is amazing. As I mentioned before, it's a global community. So women, any English speaking Catholic women, it's open to. um, And so there are women in Iraq, there are women in the UK, there are women in Africa who are part of this group. And you can connect and be able to see and ask questions about, like, how do you live out your faith, you know, in Iraq? How do you live out your faith Mm. um, in Ghana? Like, 
the, the, the beauty of seeing and the perspective of seeing how our faith is lived out in this community of women has been blowing my mind. I, I, to this day, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe what I'm already seeing happen within this amazing community of Luxu and what's happening there with these women all over the world. And they're sharing their faith. And I'm just, again, I'm so excited about it. I truly believe in it. I believe that it's something that can really help us women come together within solidarity of the faith, learn our faith, know our faith, and then take it into the world and allow that to change it. Yes. That sounds incredible. Wow. And here's a God thing. So we scheduled this interview. And at the time, I think you didn't even know exactly what date it was airing. But it just so happens that the date this episode is airing is the first day of registration. Yes. So when you hear this, if it's within a week of this, uh, of this podcast first being released, you can sign up for Lux U. And you can also buy The Other Side of Beauty, which I have my copy right in front of me. And you should see the number of lines that are underlined and uh, pages where I, I turn down the side of the page that I can return to it and notes in the margin. I mean, I wish that this book had been around when I was a teenager because this is such a needed book for every young woman who is um, struggling or or even like parents of, of young women, I feel, would, would really benefit from reading this book to help uh, maybe with their teenage daughters. Um, it addresses so many good things and it just, you cut right to the heart of of every issue, Leah. And I, I think that that is so valuable and so needed when there's so much noise and distraction and you're just really good at saying it like it is. So thank you so much for all of your input today. Um, this has been an incredible interview and I'm really, really, really excited to bring it to my listeners. So thank you so much. You are such a blessing to the world. Thank you for all of your work and all of your ministry. You're very welcome. I mean, I, I Stacey, I've always enjoyed you. I love everything that you do. And, Thank you. Um, it's an honor to be on the podcast and to be here with your listeners. Please, please, please um, prayerfully consider being a part of the Luxury community. I guarantee you, it, it will be worth it in your life. Um, yes. And so, and, yeah, it, it's just, it's so beautiful when we can share our faiths together. And like we're doing here on this podcast, just sharing life together. Um, Stacey, yes. you're so fantastic. Thank you for having me on and letting me ramble as much as I have. I know I've just got like so much to say and I probably overwhelm people, but it's no, all it's love. so Thank good. You for letting me. Thank it's you. so Thank good. You. Yeah. You have like such great practical advice. It's like, bam, bam, bam. There it is. Why didn't I see it that way before? And I love it. It just gets right to the heart of things. So thank you, Leah. Absolutely. You're welcome. All right. God bless you. God bless. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please go to my website and subscribe. I'd love to give you a free worksheet that I give to all my subscribers called How to Make the Right Choice that will help you find how God is speaking into your life right now. Also, I just went and wrote some iTunes reviews for some of my favorite podcasts because I know it's one of those things that you just often forget to do. And I want other people to be able to find the podcasts I enjoy. So I hope that you will consider doing the same for mine. Just go to iTunes. It takes 10 seconds. Finally, you can find everything in the show notes at my website. Oh, not finally. I'm going to sing a little reflection for you here because I love traditional church music. So this is going to be the Pange Lingua. And the words are so beautiful. Here they are in English. Sing my tongue the mystery of the glorious body and the precious blood, which fruit of the blessed womb he, the King of Nations, gave to ransom the world. To the Father and to the Son be praise and glory, salvation, honor, power, and blessing. To him who from both proceeds, 
be the same worship. Sì, no, 